This episode is brought to you by ProMensal. Especially with women's health, I find that um, when it comes to any type of gynecological issue or any problems down there, it's, it's something that we don't really want to talk about or we don't really know that we can actually fix. Welcome to Thriving in Menopause, brought to you by Prevention Magazine. I'm Andrea Duval, the editor of Prevention, and today we're chatting about our bodies and specifically the things that happen to our pelvic floor. So if you find you need to wee more, or if you sometimes have little whoopsie spills when you laugh, or other embarrassing problems like wind, then today I'm talking with someone who can fix this. Just a warning, this episode contains explicit content. Let me introduce today's guest. She's a Jean Hales Women's Health Week champion and pelvic floor physiotherapist, Heba Shahid. Heba, welcome. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know you think that a lot of us neglect our pelvic floor. So what do you mean by that? Well, I feel like a lot of us, um, we, we might experience some issues in our pelvic floor. Like, for example, we might have some accidental leaks. Like if we cough or sneeze, we might lose a bit of control of urine. Um, or maybe we've had some back issues or pelvic pain issues. But sometimes we kind of, you know, we we slide it under the rug because we have other priorities. Maybe we're looking after our families or we're too busy at work that we're not giving that attention to our bodies. And especially with women's health, I find that um, when it comes to any type of gynecological issue or any problems down there, it's, it's something that we don't really want to talk about or we don't really know that we can actually fix. Wow. Well, I guess when you say um, we neglect our pelvic floor, is this something we need to be mindful of throughout, say, our 20s and 30s? Or does this start to become more apparent and become you know, particularly vital when we hit our 40s and 50s? It's definitely totally vital after 40 and 50, but it's still essential to be in tune with your pelvic floor and know what's happening down there, even from a young age. Because the thing is, a lot of the time, the issues that we experience in our 40s and our 50s are only a byproduct of issues that started occurring in our 20s and in our 30s. So, for example, um, if we've had children um, and we've given birth vaginally, for example, we might not experience issues initially when we give birth or we might just have some minor issues like just a couple of leaks here and there or a little bit of back pain here and there. But then when we start to age and get into our 40s and 50s, these things come back with a vengeance. So that they started when we were younger, like in our 20s, but then in our 40s and 50s, they're really starting to affect us. And then this kind of carries on throughout the rest of our lives because we haven't really addressed it. So it's important to look to the pelvic floor and the care of your pelvic health um, through whatever age it might be. But definitely as we age, we need to be mindful so that we, it doesn't get worse and it doesn't hold us back in life. So I guess what we're saying is that like any muscles, we need to keep them toned and that it's a, almost if there's any issues there, it becomes a progressive thing. And what might seem like just a little small problem now, it ain't going to go away. It's only going to get worse unless you actually address how to tone and repair it. Is that right? That's completely right. Um, just like every other muscle in our body, our pelvic floor is a group of muscles. 
um, but they do a huge job in our body because they're part of our core muscles. So that means that they're central muscles and the health of your pelvic floor muscles then ripples off into the health of every other muscle in your body because it's there in the center, it's the core. And your pelvic floor does so much to support you. It supports your bladder. It supports your uterus if you're a female. It supports your rectum where you poop from. So And, and, and because of that, it supports you know bladder function like urine it supports uh, menstrual function sexual function it supports bowel function um, and if there's something off in your pelvic floor like if the muscles are weak or if the muscles were torn or if the muscles are too tight which is also another issue that we sometimes see um, it can affect it has a ripple effect on the rest of your body on not just your organ function but even like your back your spine um, your neck your legs, you know, even like things like how much swelling you, you know, if you swell, swell up in your calves, that sort of thing. It's so important to look after the center, the core of our body, which is the pelvic floor. Because when the pelvic floor is healthy, everything else kind of ripples off and is healthy too. Okay, there's a lot for us to unpack there. So let's let's take that one by one. Let's start with talking about the need to go to the loo more frequently. How many times a day is normal? So to go to the bathroom to empty your bladder, to, 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 to urinate, like the research says about four to six times or four to eight times is normal. If you're going to empty your bladder less than four times, like only once or twice a day, that's problematic because it, it is likely then that the pelvic floor muscles are going to get too tight because you're holding on to your pelvic floor and you're holding on to your bladder um, for a very long time. And then on the other hand, um, if you're going to the toilet too many times, like more than 10 times a day, it could be that you're not having that control in your pelvic floor, either that the muscles are weak or sometimes that there's pressure on the pelvic floor from maybe um, sagging of the bladder, which is known as um, prolapse. Um, so uh, there's going to the toilet four to six, four to eight times a day. Anything more than 10 times, it probably means um, there's some weakness happening there. If it's once or twice, it means there's, it probably means that there's some tightness happening there. Okay, well, let's talk about going over the need to go to the loo at night time because I think that's something that certainly drives a lot of women mad, that sort of wake up in the middle of the night. Seriously, again, what can we do about that? Okay, so that, that is called nocturia, so waking up in the night to go to empty your bladder. And there can be a few different reasons why that's happening. So it could be something as simple as having poor bladder habits. So, for example, going to the um, toilet, like not going to the toilet just before bed, so maybe skipping uh, just before bed emptying of the bladder. The other thing is sometimes people drink a lot just before bed. So, like, let's say you're going to bed at 10 p.m., and you're still drinking at 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. So one of the advices that I give is like, if you're going to bed at 10, just stop your fluids at about 7 p.m. So three hours before bed, stop having fluids so that you're not feeling like you need to go or need to wake up during the night. The other thing is finding out what's the actual cause of why you're waking up during the night. If it's, if it's because you're drinking, all right, fine. But if it's some other reason, sometimes when we age, um, as we age, uh, issues that we might have had can, can sometimes worsen. So, for example, um, people that have diabetes are more likely to wake up during the night to go and empty their bladder. People who have sleep apnea, for example, as well, are more likely to wake up to empty their bladder. They could be like related to a chronic illness or a chronic condition that you might have. That's, num that's number two. And then the other thing is um, sometimes when you're going to bed and you're lying down, 
the the muscles kind of relax when you're lying down and also the organs can relax a little bit so sometimes the issue could be something called pelvic organ prolapse and so when you're lying in bed everything kind of relaxes down and then you feel the need more to go to empty your bladder because there's some kind of there's a little bit of urine still left in that area that only kind of you become aware of during the night so even things simple things such as um doing Strength training, which involves pelvic floor strengthening, strengthening the muscle of your pelvic floor, can definitely help with giving you back control of those muscles, which then allows you to have better control through the night. We'll be right back after this. Perimenopause can actually start in your 40s. Declining estrogen production during perimenopause brings on changes to menstrual cycles and often the onset of hot flushes, night sweats, mood swings and sexual problems. Promensal Peri is specifically designed for perimenopausal women and can help relieve these common menopausal symptoms. Promensal Peri is available at leading pharmacies across Australia and offers a cost-effective treatment at under $1 a day. When things start to change, try Promensal Perry. Always read the label and follow the directions for use. Okay, we're back. Let's talk about sexual health and care of your vulva. Okay, so with with sexual health, um, a lot of women and a lot of people start to experience dryness in their vagina as they start to age. Um, And this can then impact on their relationship. Um, and it can impact on um, even things like, you know, they, they, they might feel like during intercourse, for example, it's quite tight and painful or dry. Or um, And in terms of vulva care, they might also notice dryness down there. If they're wearing underwear, it might feel uncomfortable to wear. Um, sometimes they might even notice some bleeding, like some spotting, because the skin inside the vulva and the vagina starts to thin and starts to become lower in that estrogen which is a common thing that happens as we age is that we start to experience these hormonal changes. Um, And so in this case, um, this is where the woman might then see her GP. And in this case, the GP might recommend something called topical estrogen, which is like a cream or it could be like a tablet form that goes into the vagina. um, And it helps to lift the estrogen in that area so that that area becomes more plump. There's more blood flow going in there the nerves feel more energised and the muscles feel more toned. I'm interested, Heather, then, where does a pelvic floor physio step into this and what sort of work do you do to help women in these situations? So there's a lot of um, place for the women's health physio in this area. So if, if the woman is experiencing any issues with bladder or bowel control, so accidental leaks with coughing, sneezing, laughing, jumping, running, during sex, lifting, um, or maybe she's experiencing something called overactive bladder, which is where you get, oh, my God, I need to go to the toilet. I need to go really badly, like really bad urgency. And then and then you don't make it in time and you lose control of your bladder. Or maybe she's experiencing fecal incontinence and she's losing control of some of her bowel matter, which is also a very common thing that happens as we age because, again, of that change in the hormones. Um, so in this case, when, you, when a woman sees a pelvic floor physiotherapist, um, the, the pelvic floor physio will assess the woman and see what's going on. Do you have any old scar tissue from previous childbirth? Do you have um, weak pelvic floor muscles? Do you have a 
a prolapse of one of your organs, which is it's very common for the bladder or the uterus to sag down. And is that why you're having symptoms? Do you have tightness in your pelvic floor? And, you know, a lot of people don't realize that tightness is a huge issue that affects women. And because of the tightness in the pelvic floor, you're experiencing pain with sex, right? So in this case, a pelvic floor physio might recommend exercises, which could be pelvic floor exercises, or the pelvic floor physio might do massage techniques to help soften the tissue inside and promote blood flow inside the vagina. Um, if there's prolapse, the pelvic floor physio might fit a support device, which is called a pessary, which is kind of like shaped like a ring or it can be shaped like a cube. And these support devices, they go up inside the vagina to push the organs back up into place and allow the pelvic floor muscles to work even better. So there's a lot of place for a pelvic floor physio. Um, it spans from exercises to relief techniques, to support devices, to advice, advice about healthy bladder habits, healthy bowel habits, healthy sexual habits, healthy vulva habits, and more. Because so, I was going to ask you, you know, I hear a lot about this word prolapse, which sounds really alarming. But from what you've said in our conversation, I'm wondering how common this is. The pelvic organ prolapse is actually really, really common. It's just very underdiagnosed. So what the research shows is that after your first vaginal childbirth, it, it can occur between 35 to 50% of women, right? So that's one in two or one in three women from their first childbirth, which could have been from the age of 20, have a pelvic organ prolapse. But you could be asymptomatic, meaning you're living your life not realizing that you have it because the body's really good at supporting itself. Um, but some people at the age of 20 do feel the symptoms and need to see a physio. Some women only notice it as they age. So when they turn 40, when they turn 50, they start to notice, oh, I feel heaviness. I feel sagging. I feel pressure in my pelvis. I'm losing control of my bladder. I have lower abdominal pain or something's bulging out. Um, it's not anything to be alarmed about in the sense of like you can't fix it because it is something that can be um, supported and addressed and managed so that it doesn't bother you. But yeah, it is so common. It's, it, it affects one in two to one in three. And after menopause, it's common in 50% of women. I get the feeling that from what you've been saying about um, pelvic floor exercises, that this is something we should almost be doing every day, like brushing our teeth. Is that so? 100%. So the only thing that I would say with pelvic floor exercises is that it's not for everyone. And that's why seeing a pelvic floor physio is super important because in some cases, Pelvic floor exercises aren't recommended for some women, but generally if, if, if a woman's aging and she has pelvic organ prolapse and she's having bladder or bowel accidents, then pelvic floor muscle strengthening is an avenue that we definitely encourage. And it's definitely something that they need to integrate into their daily routine, just like crushing your teeth. And it's just like going for a walk or going to the gym to train. Like as we age, we should be exercising all the muscles in our body. We know resistance training is super important for all the muscles. And this is the exact same thing for the pelvic floor because it's also muscle groups. Okay. If I was interested in going to see a pelvic floor physio, is this something I'd, uh, I'd be referred on from my GP? A GP can refer you to a pelvic floor physio and the current Medicare system does allow for five sessions to be rebated on the chronic disease management plan. However, if, however, to see a pelvic floor physio, you actually don't need to see a GP. You can go straight to your pelvic floor physio. You can literally just jump on Google, find your city or your suburb and look up pelvic floor physio, you know, CBD, for example. And then whoever's local to you, 
You can you can call them up and book in straight away. You don't need a referral, but you can get one. Okay. Well, I have to ask you, when you talk about doing a pelvic examination, that sounds very intimate. Tell me what is involved. It is a very intimate examination. So a pelvic floor examination involves a vaginal examination. And in that vaginal exam, we look at firstly the vulva on the outside to see if there's any skin issues, any scarring, any, anything that, or like if there's low estrogen, the skin might look quite white. Um, so we, we do an external visual assessment. Then we do an internal assessment. We glove up, of course, and uh, usually one finger that goes into the vagina and we check the muscles. So we check if a woman can squeeze or we check if the muscles are tight or we check, um, you know, where where she might have weakness is only at the entrance or deeper in or both. We also check for prolapse. So we we as pelvic floor physios are very skilled at assessing prolapse. So we can tell if a woman has a bladder prolapse, a uterine prolapse or rectum prolapse. Um, We can also check if a woman has any tears of the pelvic floor, which unfortunately does affect 20% 20% of women, at least 20% of women. How does that come about? A pelvic floor tear? Yeah. Usually from childbirth. Oh, it's okay. usually a childbirth-related injury. So there's two types of pelvic floor tear, one called levator avulsion, which is a tear inside the vagina, and then another type of tear called um, obstetric anal sphincter injury. And this is usually, most people know them as perineal tears, mm-hmm. but when you get really severe perineal tears, it can actually go inside the anal sphincter um, and it can cause issues in the in the anal sphincter itself. And the anal sphincter is part of your pelvic floor. So this is where we sometimes do rectal examinations as well, um, where if a woman has had a previous anal sphincter injury, we might need to check if her pelvic floor is working in her anal canal. Um, and this is something that does kind of become more obvious in older women when they as they start to age, the anal muscles start to get weaker as well. So sometimes we do both. It just depends on the woman. And, of course, whatever the woman is comfortable with. And sometimes some women aren't comfortable to do, to do internal exams, and we try our best to do external exams in those, in those um, situations. But for sure, if you're seeing a pelvic floor physio and if you can, have that vaginal exam because it gives us a lot of um, information about what's happening in your body and very specific information to your body so that we're able to give you the best treatment plan for you. That sounds great, Heba. Um, I guess one of the reasons why we're talking for this menopause-based podcast is that um, I understand that the muscle composition also changes. Is Again, is this a hormonal thing? Yes, exactly. So um, as we age, the hormones in our body start to change. We know that through menopause, a certain type of estrogen starts to decrease. And unfortunately, that particular type of estrogen is needed for good health of the muscles because estrogen is like a precursor for nerve health. And when your nerves are healthy, nerves supply your muscles, right? So if, um, you know, if estrogen is lower, then the nerves are a little bit less, you know, strong, I guess, like less active which makes it harder for the muscles to be active as well. And that's why it's so important that we do that resistance training. It's so important that if, if there is issues um, in terms of like dryness of the skin or weakness of the muscles, that we do see that GP and, and have like a holistic plan so that we can have good muscle function and good muscle health as much as possible. So the overall message is don't put off 
having a conversation with your GP about any of these issues, even though it might seem indelicate and uncomfortable. Exactly. Have that conversation with your GP. And if you're uncomfortable in the beginning, Gene House is a very great organization in that they have so many resources on their website about all of these things, about all things to do with women's health. So if you're going to their website, you can look up whatever issues that you have there. And then if you want, you can print off some of the information and take it with you to your GP and, and say, look, I, I, I feel like this is what's happening with me. Um, you know, and, and there's some really great information on the June Health website. And, you know, who can, what can I do? Who can I see? But generally, if you're having pelvic floor issues, your GP and your pelvic floor physio, and if you need to, a gynecologist as well, are really great, um, you know, people to have in your team of, of, of health professionals and medical professionals. Your support team. <laughs> yes, your support team. That's right. So even things like incontinence, and I know that girlfriends often sort of make jokes about, oh, you know, every time I, I leap up, this this happens. Um, but you're saying these things can be addressed and you don't need to have whoopsie moments. Absolutely. We do a lot of research in pelvic floor physiotherapy and all the research shows that in 84% of cases of incontinence, of loss of bladder control, 84% of cases can be cured with 8 to 12 weeks of pelvic floor physiotherapy. So this means going to a pelvic floor physio, having eight supervised sessions can can completely cure you in 84% of cases. And the way that I see it, that last 16% that don't get cured, usually what I've seen with those women is that um, they have a little bit more trauma in their pelvic floor, like maybe they have that tear um, and it just takes a little bit longer and needs a lot more effort and it's kind of more of a holistic approach, looking at other parts of their body to get them stronger. So the good news is that with a little kindness and care towards ourselves, we can stave off these problems. A hundred percent. Fantastic. Is there anything else, Sheba, that you wanted um, listeners to, to know or be alert for? Um, I, all I want listeners to know is that pelvic floor issues are common, but they're not normal. And no matter what anyone says, they're not normal and they're not anything that you ever have to put up with. If you see a pelvic floor physio, you can, you can in most cases, cure a lot of these issues or at least manage them to the point where it doesn't affect you, doesn't affect your social life, doesn't affect your, your relationships, doesn't affect your uh, mental health or your emotional health. These are things that can be addressed. So please do see a pelvic floor physio if you can. And also definitely jump onto the Gene Howes website and check out their resources because there's a lot of great information there that would definitely help you. That sounds great, Sheba, and we'll have a link to Jean Hales in our show notes. So thanks for joining us, Sheba, and that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in being part of Prevention's community of like-minded women, pick up a copy of the magazine and follow us on Facebook or Instagram. Meanwhile, thanks again for joining us, and I'll see you next time. Bye for now. Bye for now.